1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolnes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Well, coming up on this episode of the podcast and really over the next, I think, four episodes of Eye on the Enemy, we are going to break down the Eagles' schedule and go team by team four teams per podcast, so we're going to take a look at the Eagles' first four opponents on their 2021 schedule. We're going to talk about the key additions they've made this offseason, some of the key departures, some of the key guys that they drafted, and how it's all going to fit together here, provided there are no major injuries in training camp between now and when the season opens, and we know the teams are going, to, are going to get hurt and they're going to suffer some injuries, but for right now, let's break down exactly where all of the Eagles' enemies are as we uh, just finish up the first round of OTAs and we are about to hit the dead zone here in the summer season uh for the nfl it's a good good time to take a look at what the enemy is doing here so far this offseason so we're going to jump into that coming up here in the next few minutes and uh we'll do the solo solo uh, we'll do this we'll do the solo solo we'll do the show solo here um today and uh you know maybe we'll get some folks on over the next uh, few weeks to talk about some of these teams certainly once the season kicks off we'll be taking a deep dive into each eagles opponent every week but for this week we're going to. to take a look at four teams. We're going to take a look at the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to take a look at the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to take a look at the Dallas Cowboys, and we are going to take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Eagles' early schedule, as you heard me talk about last week with CBS Sports' Jeff Kerr, is it is a a real meat grinder early in the season the Eagles get a lot of really tough competition early on they got to play the Buccaneers they got to play the Chiefs they gotta you know they, they got to play um, again the Falcons might be might be better this year I think the 49ers are certainly going to be better the Cowboys are going to be a decent team so uh, there are there are no easy roads early in the season the Eagles don't get their NFC East opponents really after this first game against the Cowboys until the second half of the season and really it's the last four weeks of the season the Eagles are lined up and I I don't know how do you how do you guys like that? Do you guys like playing these NFC East teams all at the end of the season in a row like that? I'm not wild about it. It seems as though the schedule makers have been doing that a lot these last few years, and for whatever reason I it just I don't love it. I, I like a little bit more variety at the end of the season. I wouldn't mind seeing the Eagles take on a really good NFC opponent that's outside the division over the last four weeks. It just kinda gets repetitive a little bit. I guess if all these teams are fighting for a playoff spot, it it could be fun, but you know, I don't know. It's it's. I don't love it. But let's focus on let's focus on the first part of the schedule. And the team we'll start off talking about tonight is the Atlanta Falcons. The Eagles will kick off their season in Atlanta against the Dirty Birds. And the big question right now. Will the Falcons still have Julio Jones on their team? It's I at this point as we're recording on Friday night, he is still a member of the Atlanta Falcons, but I think it's highly unlikely he will be a member of the Falcons by the time the season opens. And so, the next question is, will he be in Philadelphia? Where will he be? Probably not Philadelphia. Highly unlikely that the Eagles are looking at the situation and saying to themselves, "Yeah, I think we can give up one of our first-round picks for for Julio Jones." even though Jones doesn't really make them a Super Bowl contender. I mean, I believe that the Eagles believe that they are better than the public, than people like myself are giving them credit for, that I think I'm sure a lot of the players believe that they're better than that, and they would, be, they would be thrilled to have Julio Jones join the team. And there's no doubt about the fact that Julio Jones would make the Eagles a better team. They would, they would certainly improve on offense. And for all the reasons that I specified in the article I wrote for Bleeding Green Nation last week and that I talked about on previous episodes of the podcast, Julio Jones makes this team better. There's no doubt about that, but do do does he make you good enough to give up a first round pick? In my mind, if you're if you're a, a rebuilding team like the Eagles, and again I've talked about this, I'm not going to relitigate it all, but you don't give up a first round pick if you're not in the Super Bowl window for a guy like Julio Jones. So, do I think Julio Jones will be wearing an Eagles uniform in Atlanta on opening week? No, I don't. So. Where will Julio Jones go? Who knows? But let's talk about the Falcons. Last year they went four and twelve, finished in last place in the NFC South. They only had a negative eighteen point differential. Compare that to the Eagles negative eighty-four. So even though Atlanta basically, even though they finished with a worse record than the Eagles, remember the Eagles had that tie, so they went 4-11-1, Atlanta went 4-12, and that's why they were picking ahead of the Eagles in the draft. They were much better by terms of point differential, but let's not kid ourselves, the Atlanta Falcons were not a good team last year, and they really haven't been a good team for the last few years, even with Julio Jones on that roster. They're coming off three straight losing seasons, and they have ever since they blew that 28 to 3 lead against the the patriots in the super bowl they have what brandon lee Gowton likes to call ble they have big loser energy they just they are a team that just is waiting for the bottom to fall out. Anytime something, I mean, how many many late leads has that team choked away over these last few years? It's become their calling card. It's one of the reasons Dan Quinn was let go. They just needed a culture change in that team. So now they have new coach Arthur Smith, the former offensive coordinator from the Tennessee Titans, coming coming from an organization that did manage to flip the script. I mean, think about what he did with Ryan Tannehill and that Tennessee offense. So there is hope in Atlanta that you bring a guy like Arthur Smith here and it changes the dynamic of the football team. You start to think, okay, we're not losers. We'd, we're we not chronically bad. We don't have to be this awful football team that blows late leads, that that can't close games out. But they've got to do it first. And, and the talent in Atlanta is is not what it once was. Now, they did make some key additions this offseason. Uh, They signed running back Mike Davis, tight end Lee Smith, edge rusher Barkevius Mingo, edge rusher Brandon Copeland, cornerback Fabian Moreau, safety Eric Harris, and safety Duran Harmon. Uh, They uh, drafted, of course, their big draft pick was tight end Kyle Pitts, also safety Richie Grant, offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield, the big draft picks for them. And they did lose guard Justin McCray, center Alex Mack, safety Keanu Neal, uh, defensive back DeMonte Kazee, and safety Ricardo Allen. So, The Falcons were really restricted in what they could do in free agency this offseason. Like the Eagles, they were pretty much hamstrung by salary cap constraints, constraints, with much of that money being eaten up by Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Those contracts really helped make the Atlanta roster pretty inflexible, and so they didn't go out and improve this team in free agency. The big addition was Kyle Pitts, that he could be a dynamic playmaker, but if you swap out Julio Jones for Kyle Pitts, are you as good in offense? No, you're, you're probably not, at least not in Kyle Pitts' rookie season. We're going to talk more about him here in just a second. But losing Mack and exchanging Neal, KZ, and Allen for Harris, Harmon, and Moreau doesn't really make the Falcons a contender here. I mean, it, that is that, that's not an upgrade. For for the Atlanta Falcons. And and Mingo and Copeland are unlikely to make the pass rush what it once was. I mean, those two guys have combined for four sacks the last two seasons. So this is not an Atlanta Falcons team that is swimming in talent right now. Now, now. Now, here's what they do have going for them. They still do have Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan has had some success against the Eagles. He's also had some struggles against the Eagles. But remember... In the last game in Atlanta, where when they had when uh, Atlanta came back, and that was the game where Nelson Aguilar dropped the long uh, the long pass from Carson Wentz, where he, they should have had a touchdown, and the Eagles should. I mean, Carson Wentz led the Eagles on a and a touchdown drive to take the lead think a little over two minutes left, and then the defense on a fourth and one gave up a long Julio Jones touchdown that. Essentially, cost that cost the Eagles a game, and they they, remember they lost a couple of players in the pregame warmups. I think Deshaun and Alshon and Dallas Goddard were all lost due to injury uh, in leading up to that in the in the moments before the game started. So, um, you know, the, the Falcons and Eagles have a long history playing each other in some pretty interesting spots. Uh, you had. Um, Atlanta come to Philadelphia in 2017 in the playoffs and lose that heartbreaker and then um they played opening week in 20 uh, I believe it was 2018 right and uh the Eagles managed to and another defensive battle managed to basically it was almost a carbon copy of the of the game in the playoffs the season before Jim Schwartz usually did a pretty good job against the Atlanta defense against the Atlanta offense he he usually had his defenses ready to contain Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, but not so during the 2019 season uh, when, when Atlanta managed that uh, late game comeback in Atlanta and, and the the Eagles have historically not played very well uh, in Atlanta. In fact, the Eagles have not won a game in Atlanta since 2009, they've lost their last three games on the road against the Falcons. Uh, they lost in 2011, 31, 35 to 31. Uh, they, of course, uh, lost in 2015, 26 to 24, and then in 2019 again. We talked about they lost 24 to 20. They have beaten the Atlanta Falcons three times in a row at home. So uh, going to Atlanta over the last few years, last time they won was in 2009 when they beat the Falcons 34 to seven. So it has historically been a tough place for the Eagles to win. Uh, And that's a tough task coming in. Even though the Falcons really aren't a very good team, that's kind of tough for an Eagles team that also really uh, isn't very good. And Matt Ryan can still play a little bit, guys. He can still sling the rock around. Last year in his age 35 season, he put up some pretty impressive numbers, started all 16 games had more completions and more passing attempts than any other quarterback in the NFL, 407, the second straight year, by the way, he led the NFL in completions, uh, 407 completions for Matt Ryan, uh, last year completed 65% of his passes through for 4,581 yards, 26 touchdowns, just 11 interceptions. Um, he, he was extremely consistent, did not have Julio Jones for a few games last year. Um, and so, had a QB reading of 93.3, which was better than the year before. We made a 92.1. And um, again, Matt Ryan just, he can still play some football. So you can't, you can't count out Matt Ryan and him putting up some numbers against an Eagles team that we don't know what their secondary is going to look like. It could be pretty ugly. And who knows Kyle Pitts, it's going to be his first game in the NFL. Maybe he makes a huge splash right away. Maybe on, uh, on opening week, he comes out and he absolutely dominates the Eagles. But for most rookies it 's a little bit of a learning curve, so hopefully hopefully there 's no Julio Jones and hopefully Kyle Pitts is just kind of getting his feet wet at the beginning of the season, although you know he could be a gronk like talent in the Nfl so we 're going to have to wait and see. but Matt Ryan also has Calvin Ridley to throw to, one of the better root runners in the NFL so the offense might not be awful and the NFC South is a wide open division, even with the Buccaneers coming off their Super Bowl victory. The Atlanta Falcons could surprise. There's always a couple of teams each year that finished the previous season with a losing record that bounce back up. Maybe getting Arthur Smith in here to change some of the to change some of the vibes in Atlanta is exactly uh, what these two teams need. But when you look at the Falcons. It does. And you look at what the Eagles, what the Eagles are going through right now. It really does feel like the Eagles are mirroring what the Falcons did just kind of two years behind. It feels like they're on the same kind of trajectory. And maybe the Falcons are on the way up. The Eagles are certainly on the dissension, at least here in 2020 and 2021. Um but a very similar script that the Eagles are are following, and not a good one, uh, if you've been watching the Atlanta Falcons over these last few years. But that's where the Falcons stand here, uh, as we as we just get into the month of June here, um, with OTAs wrapping up and and free agency not over. But you know we've got the June first deadline is is passed, and so teams will have a little bit more uh, flexibility with uh, moving some guys and 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 spreading some of that money around. So you're going to see some more moves here over the next few weeks, probably, uh, maybe nothing earth shattering, but uh, teams like the the Falcons and the Eagles who do have cap issues might find that they have a little bit more flexibility in moving some different guys around. Let's talk about the Eagles week two opponent, the San Francisco 49ers. And we forget the 49ers went six and 10 last year. They finished in last place in the unbelievably brutally tough NFC West. I mean, the 49ers are a really good team. I think they're going to be much improved this year and they still might finish in last place in the NFC West. That's how good that division is. Much of what happened last year can be traced back to injuries for the 49ers, and that's why they're scary this year. Anytime you lose your quarterback early in the season and anytime you lose to the defensive rookie of the year in Week 2 – you are going to struggle. And the Forty ers we you know, they just had no one to throw no one who could throw the football last year once Jimmy Garoppolo went down. So I think the Forty ers figured to be much improved this year, especially especially if they are the ones to land Julio Jones. And they are one of the teams rumored to be hot on Julio Jones. That would make the 49ers offense even more lethal. Some key additions for them this offseason. They signed offensive tackle Trent Williams, a a huge signing uh, to be able to to have him in the fold. Fullback Kyle, I'm not going to get this guy's name right. Jušić. <laughs> Center Alex Mack. Edge rusher Samson Abukam Abukam, uh, defensive tackle DJ Jones. Safety Jaquezi Tart. Cornerback Kaywan Williams and cornerback Jason Verrett. Key draft additions, of course, the big draft addition, signing quarterback Trey Lance. They also uh they also uh drafted running back Trey Sermon and quarterback Ambry Thomas. Uh key departures edge rusher Kerry Hyder Jr. Cornerback Akella Witherspoon, running back Tevin Coleman. He was a big part of their offense last year. He's no longer there. Wide receiver wide receiver Kendrick Bourne and defensive lineman. Solomon Thomas so the big draft pick for the 49ers and this is really going to be a a fascinating thing with this football team how much rope does Jimmy Garoppolo have and they use their first round pick on Trey Lance now this makes all the sense in the world because Jimmy Garoppolo can't be counted on given the injury last year and given his up and down play you can't count on him as your franchise quarterback now did the 49ers spend a lot of draft capital that they probably didn't need to in order to take a guy in Trey Lance who does not have a lot of collegiate experience and um, also came from a, a program, North Dakota State, that uh, was not a major division school. It's definitely a risk. It's definitely a choice. But that was, of course, their biggest offseason splash, getting Trey Lance and, um I don't think by week two we will see Trey Lance have unseated Jimmy Garoppolo. My guess is the Eagles will be facing Garoppolo early in the season, and it's fair to wonder if Trey Lance will make any impact at all in 2021. Now, what San Francisco did do a good job of this offseason is using free agency to hold on to a lot of their good players, but so much is going to depend on what happens at the quarterback position this year, right? I mean, it's that's where this is all going to lie for the 49ers. If Garoppolo is good and or Trey Lance, maybe he starts the season or he comes in in week three or week four or five if, if Garoppolo is struggling and he plays well, then the 49ers are going to be a good team. But they're, that question mark at the quarterback position could be their undoing this year. And by Week 2, again, I don't think it's going to be Trey Lance. My guess is it's going to be Garoppolo. The 49ers do still have a collection of running backs that will keep opponents on their toes. And let's not forget, Kyle Shanahan did not forget how to coach. He knows how to get these guys the ball in space. Jeff Wilson led the team with 600 yards last year, but Raheem Mostert added another 521, Jarek McKinnon 319. So these are guys who can run Run the football and even in a year when they had no good quarterback play they still managed to run the ball somewhat effectively now if garoppolo can be serviceable he's got some talented wide receiver debo samuel and brandon Ayuk are really really promising young wide receivers and then of course when you've got the best tight end in football and george kittle to throw the ball to you've got some serious weapons there so san francisco after a down year defensively last year They have a new defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, former Philadelphia Eagle. But the word is not a lot is going to change in the defensive scheme for the 49ers. What the 49ers are going to have getting back and what's really going to revitalize their defense is the return of Nick Bosa, the 2019 defensive rookie of the year who tore his ACL in week two of last year. It was a monster loss for the defense. They ended up finishing 22nd in the NFL in sacks. You can guarantee that if Nick Bosa had been around, they would have finished much higher than that. The offensive line is still the big strength of the 49ers because of Kyle Shanahan's ingenious play calling. They have a lot of guys to move around. Trent Williams is the best left tackle in the NFL. It was super important for the 49ers to hold on to him, and he sh- and the offensive line should still be effective opening up running lanes. And so when you look at this 49ers team, you see a team that went 6-10 last year, but this is not a 6-10 team. This is a team that is, that is a Super Bowl contender provided they get good quarterback play. And what's the best way to help out a quarterback? And you know what? For people who are arguing this about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, maybe this is the reason for the Eagles to make a push. What's the best way to help out your young quarterback? To get one of the great wide receivers in the game to to have him throw the ball to. And that's what that's what would lead the 49ers to going out and getting Julio Jones, is helping to prop up Jimmy Garoppolo. Imagine Garoppolo, and then, and then you've got Debo Sweeney and Brandon Ayuk, yeah that'll play right i mean that you can win that way i said sweeney debo samuel brandon Ayuk, and and julio jones those three guys with george kittle i think even jimmy garoppolo can 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 work with that right we'll step away and take a quick break when we come back we'll talk about the eagles next two opponents in week three and week four of next year the dallas cowboys and the kansas city chiefs that's coming up next here on eye on the enemy Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So on this podcast, we're going through taking a deep dive into the Eagles' first four opponents of next year. In the previous segment, we talked about uh, the the Atlanta Falcons and the San Francisco 49ers, the Eagles' first two opponents here in 2021. In week three, they will take on the Dallas Cowboys, their final game of September the Eagles, uh, the Cowboys, again, like every other team, these first three teams all had losing records last year. The Cowboys went six and ten last year, third in the NFC East. They had a negative seventy-eight point differential. This was not a good team without Dak Prescott slinging the rock, and of course, we all know how awful the defense was. Now, they do have some key additions and re-signings, and of course, the big one is getting Dak Prescott back from injury. That is a huge. That is a a huge guy to get back into that lineup. Somebody who can actually throw the football. Uh, safety Keanu Neal uh, is in Dallas now, along with edge rusher Terrell Basham, defensive lineman Brett Urban, offensive tackle Ty Neschke, defensive back Demonte Casey, and cornerback Jordan Lewis. Um, all big addition, all key additions uh, for the Cowboys. Again, not, not not a lot of big names there, except for uh, Keanu Neal uh, coming uh, coming over. Key draft additions for the Cowboys: linebacker Micah Parsons, their first rounder, and cornerback Kelvin Joseph. Uh, two big names that should make an impact right away. And key departures: quarterback Andy Dalton, safety Xavier Woods. Uh, Cornerback Chido Bawuzi and offensive tackle Cameron Irving. Uh, Linebacker Joe Thomas also left the team. The Cowboys did very little in free agency this offseason, especially surprisingly on defense where they were abysmal last season. Now, the Cowboys do have cap problems, thanks to big-money deals to a very top-heavy roster, including all of the money they just gave Dak Prescott. You really wonder if Jerry Jones is regretting regretting the big-money deal that they gave Ezekiel Elliott. But the return of Dak Prescott could propel Dallas to the top spot in the division. After all, Prescott still has skill position players all around him. Amari Cooper, uh, you have uh, uh, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. Is Ezekiel Elliott still an elite, an elite runner? Uh, that's a big question that the Dallas Cowboys have to answer. And are is this still gonna be an offense that runs that start begins and ends with Ezekiel Elliott? Or is this gonna be an offense that lets Dak cook? I mean, you just paid Dak a ton of money, but the, the Cowboys have always wanted to pound the rock with Ezekiel Elliott first. Is he still that guy? I mean they have run him into the ground. Is he still the Bell Cow? Or is Tony Pollard going to get more of a shot this year? I'm not so sure Ezekiel Elliott is still an elite runner in this league. And let's talk a little bit about Dak Prescott, because here's the thing with Dak Prescott. He's clearly better than Carson Wentz was. Okay, that argument is done. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. We could all see the drop in the Cowboys' level of play when Dak Prescott was not was not under center. Right. So that's obvious. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback and he's a good team leader and it seems like it 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 was the right move for the Cowboys to go ahead and re-sign him. But but at some point Dak Prescott to truly be considered an elite quarterback in this league, he's going to have to win a playoff game or two at some point, isn't he? In order for fans to truly believe he's the franchise guy, isn't he going to have to take this team on a playoff run at some point? Now, maybe that would have happened last year. And of course the defense is not his fault, but it's not exactly like this guy has a long track record of leading the Cowboys deep into the postseason, and if that has been the criticism of Carson Wentz during his time in Philadelphia, doesn't that also have to be some of the criticism at Dak Prescott? Why why is that not a thing that that anyone talks about? Prescott has played three playoff games in in his career. In his rookie season, he took the Cowboys to the playoffs, uh, where he lost thirty four to thirty one uh, in a game ho- in, in, in a home game with the Eagle. Uh, the, the Cowboys were were hosting the Green Bay. Uh, uh the Green Bay Packers um he went 24 of 38 63% completion 30 302 yards three touchdowns one interception a 103.2 rating certainly not his fault they lost that game and then uh in 2018 they made the playoffs and Dak Prescott won a playoff game uh at home against Seattle the Cowboys won 24 to 22 uh, he did not have a great game that day, but did okay. 22 of 33 for 226 yards, one touchdown, one interception, a passer rating of 83.6. And then uh, the Dallas Cowboys went into uh, LA to take on the Rams and lost 30 to 22. Again, Prescott did not have a great day that that day. 20 of 32 for 266, one touchdown, no interceptions, a 99.2 rating. But uh, the Cowboys just couldn't get much going offensively against uh, a Rams team that would go on to go to the playoffs. And then in 2019, we saw that Cowboys team just fall apart as they came to Philadelphia and, and was unable to do anything late in the season. And then of course last year he has lost for the season with the injury early in the year. So I mean it's it's not it's not that Dak Prescott has choked in the playoffs. That's certainly not what I'm talking about. But he has yet to take the Dallas Cowboys on a deep playoff run. And until he does that, it's fair to question whether or not they truly they truly should have given him All of the money that they gave him, but Dak Prescott is their guy, and he's a very talented quarterback. My guess is that there will be a deep playoff run in his career at some point, and maybe it'll happen this season. But given the state of the defense, I'm not so sure about that. Safety Keanu Neal was their biggest defensive free agency signing, and listen, he'll help. It was a good low cost move, especially for this point in the offseason, but. And they did spend a ton of draft picks on defense, including first-round linebacker Micah Parsons. So they did spend a lot of time in the draft going after the defense. But, you know, Dallas' defense allowed an average of 29.6 points per game last year. And they did not exactly add a ton of weapons to the defense. They also lost, for the second straight year, their best cornerback. This year it was woozy in free agency. So they've brought aboard a new defensive coordinator. Former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn. He's gonna to try to work magic with the defense that could once again be very, very, very bad because they don't have a lot of accomplished NFL players on defense. It's it's gonna be a work in progress, and it sounds like it's gonna be another high scoring uh season for the Dallas Cowboys. They're gonna be involved in a lot of uh forty to thirty-five games, it sounds like. The the defense just you know, maybe hey, who knows? Maybe maybe they're the the, the draft picks and maybe some of the young players there they're able to step it up, but um, I wouldn't count on it if I were a Cowboys fan. So you just have to kind of hope that Dak Prescott's return and all of the talent that they've assembled on offense means that they're going to be, they're going to win a lot of high scoring games and get themselves to to 10 or 11 wins here in 2021. Let's finish off this podcast by talking about uh, team number four, their fourth opponent, the Kansas city chiefs, the chiefs lost the super bowl to the Buccaneers last year, of course, but this is a team that is on paper loaded once again uh some key additions and re-signings for them guard joe thuny guard kyle long edge rusher Taco Charlton, wide receiver Demarcus Robinson, offensive tackle Mike Remmers, offensive lineman Andrew Wiley, defensive tackle Jerron Reed, safety Daniel Sorensen, offensive tackle Orlando Brand Jr., uh, center Austin Blythe, and cornerback Mike Hughes. Some key draft additions for them. They're picking near the end of each round, so uh, not any uh, real high-impact guys. Linebacker Nick Bolton, their first-rounder, offensive lineman Creed Humphrey. Some key departures for them. Offensive tackle Eric Fisher, offensive tackle Mitchell Schwartz, running back Damian Williams, running back Anthony Sherman, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, that could be uh, somebody that they, you know, that they not nah, that they're going to regret because Sammy Watkins was pretty inconsistent for them. Uh, defensive lineman uh, Teno Kapaskin, I don't even know how you say that guy's name. Sorry, sorry to know. Um, for a little while there this offseason, it didn't look like the Chiefs were going to do a whole lot in free agency, but very late in the process, at the end of April, they went out and really did bolster a potential weakness, getting some beef for their offensive line by going out and getting Thoney long and Brown. And so what, what looked like a, a unit that was kind of falling apart at the end of last year could be a strength for them. Once again, thanks to some really nice um, uh, late, late off season moves uh, for the Kansas city chiefs and first round picnic Bolton could be a very nice addition to the defense. So, so some good moves a, a good off season so far here by the Kansas city chiefs, as far as bringing in some talent and listen when you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, it all starts and ends with the best quarterback in the game, Patrick Mahomes. And I still, I think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. I know Aaron Rodgers won MVP last year, but Mahomes just has it all laid out in front of him. What will be very interesting to see with the Kansas City Chiefs, and this will be a very, very good test of my Super Bowl loss hangover theory, which has come true each and every year because it is, as sure as I'm sitting here talking into this microphone, Every year, the Super Bowl loser takes a big step backwards. And that is very possible for this Kansas City Chiefs team. You wonder, I mean, every team has, you know, they they reach a certain height. They win the Super Bowl. I remember the Green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl, and then they went back the next year and lost to the Steelers. And Aaron Rodgers has yes, has yet to get back there. Could the Kansas City Chiefs suffer a similar fate, especially with the offensive line that has, you know, been in flux and changed a number of guys out here? Is, is Have we seen the high point for the Chiefs? Has Patrick Mahomes reached his high point? It'll be very interesting to see how he reacts to having a subpar game in the Super Bowl last year. Of course, his offensive line did him no favors. They had no answers for the Tampa Bay defense. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is a really good player still, obviously the best uh, the best quarterback in the NFL. Tampa's defense shut him down. The offensive line was a mess by that t- by the time the game rolled around. But will Patrick Mahomes and really the team as a whole, will the Chiefs as a whole bounce back and play with a chip on their shoulders? Or will they be like the past Super Bowl runners up, like the Rams, uh, like uh, like the 49ers, and fail to make the postseason this year? I mean, really, let let's go down the I want to go down the list of of previous Super Bowl losers. I mean, you had San Francisco lost to Kansas City. In uh, in Super Bowl uh, fifty four, and they failed to make the playoffs last year. The Rams lost to New England um, in Super Bowl fifty three, and they and they failed to make the playoffs the year after that. New England um, lost to the Eagles uh, in Super Bowl fifty two, of course, and then they came back and they won the Super Bowl the next year. So you basically you throw all these rules that I'm talking about. You throw New England out because. <laughs> (laughs) It doesn't really matter. Now, the Atlanta Falcons, after losing Super Bowl 51, after blowing that lead to New England, they did make the playoffs the following year. They actually did win a playoff game that following year and lost to the Eagles in the divisional round. So give Atlanta credit. They actually did do that. Um, But then you have Carolina losing to Denver. They failed to make the playoffs the year after that. Um uh Seattle I don't remember about Seattle after Super Bowl 49 if they went to the playoffs but anyway this is a thing that happens guys this is this is not a new trend this is something that happens kind of year after year and will the Chiefs fall into the same pattern for Kansas City no I just don't see it I I think this is still a truly great team I don't think this is a team that's going to suffer a Super Bowl hangover I I think Andy Reid Really knows how to coach. I don't think this team is going to fall back and go like nine and eight this year, or eight and nine, and 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 miss the playoffs in, in the AFC West. I think they'll be. I still think they'll be a dominant team. Um, he'll have this team. Andy Reid will have this team in the Super Bowl conversation once again. And I think there's no. I mean, we can all see that there's no way the Eagles are going to beat the Chiefs. You know, there's just no way they're going to beat this team. And so as you look at these first four teams. Three of these four teams have a, had a losing record last year, and then the other one lost the Super Bowl. What is the Eagles' record through these first four games? How good are, I, I've, of all these games, really, the, the game that the Eagles probably have the best chance of winning is opening week against the Falcons in Atlanta, because I don't know how good Atlanta is going to be. I I don't think Atlanta is going to be a team that really jumps, that that really jumps back. I think the Atlanta offense will, will struggle if Julio Jones is not there as good as Matt Ryan is. And as good as, you know, as, as good as uh, Calvin Ridley is, you know, I don't don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be lighting the world on fire right away. You know, it's going to take him as a rookie a little bit of time. And so, I think that's a game—I If if the I would probably pencil the Eagles winning this game at this point. i probably give the Eagles a, a 1-0 and start beating the Falcons in Atlanta because I do not think that they beat the 49ers in Week 2. I do not think they beat the Cowboys in Week 3. And I do not think they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 4. I think no matter how it shakes out, I think the Eagles finish 1-3 through these first four games uh, to teams that had losing records last year but could very well be better here in 2021. So the Eagles get the benefit of the last place schedule and and play a lot of the teams with losing records last year. But again, the NFL changes from year to year and Hey, maybe the Eagles are one of those teams. Maybe the Eagles are a four 11 and one team that surprises people. I don't think that's what we're going to see here in 2021, but um, that is a, that is our breakdown here of the Eagles first four opponents of 2021. And next week uh, we will do the same thing with uh, the Eagles opponents. Number five through eight. We will talk about the Carolina Panthers. We will talk about the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We will talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. And we will talk about the Detroit Lions, the Eagles' Eagles, uh, second four games on their 2021 schedule, and we will break down everything that those teams have done this offseason and kind of where things stand with them uh, as we uh, as we go through here the dead zone of the uh, 2021 NFL offseason. Alright folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks everybody for checking us out and tuning in. Uh, don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day for all the latest news, rumors, notes, and everything we've got going on up there. And uh, tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and all the great podcasts we have for your Earballs. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. P-G-N.